Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of Tales from the Crew. With a longtime friend, Ryan Sturz, stunt coordinator, director, action star, model. Um, <laughs> uh, the man can do it all. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, so, you know, we've worked together, I don't know, uh, 20 years? <laughs> Feels like a long time. It's been a long time, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think our first project was Storytellers, which uh, was a, a great introduction. I mean, we had so much fun on that one. Um, I think it was in Santa Clarita or something, or Santa Ana. Or... We were all over the place. I feel like we did some stuff downtown and then Santa Clarita. Yeah. We were in Malibu for a minute, or we were considering shooting in Malibu. Yes. Yeah. But then um, ended up being oh, Sand Canyon. Sand Canyon is what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's still my favorite story when uh, I knew that we were probably going to work together for a long time. When you were honest with me, we uh, had to rent a car that uh, was uh, supposedly totaled, and we had to get the kids out of the car. And you showed up on set and said. This isn't going to work. This car doesn't look like it's even been in an accident. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> and I think that video is no longer there, but when you came back, the car definitely looked like it's been in an accident. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot how we did that. <laughs> I think it was like a, a mountain and a truck. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, but you've done a lot of stuff where it's been bigger projects, smaller projects, and sort of, uh, you know, across the, the gamut from huge studio movies to smaller web series. And is there any, like, uh, preference that you have with, uh, I guess there's a plus and minus to everything? Um, yes, there is. I think um, some, it's, it's nice sometimes to be on a really big movie and not worry about, um, um, you know, really how we're going to get the shot done because you know you have unlimited resources almost, you know. No matter what you need, it's, it's going to be there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're going to have the time that you need to get the shot done or get it figured out. Um, but sometimes the smaller shows are a lot more fun, actually, because you get to be more creative. Um, and uh, the director might throw you a curveball that you don't see coming at all, and then you have to figure it out on set. Um, on the day, in the moment, uh, and you have 30 minutes to do it. Uh, so sometimes that can be quite a lot of fun. Also, I think that sometimes we have too much time on the bigger shows, um, and that just leads to boredom. You know, we just sit around and we just wait for, for our turn. Whereas on the smaller shows, a lot of times we just go, 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 go. You know, you get to uh, crash a car in the morning, uh, jump a boat in the afternoon, and then um, have a gunfight in the evening. Uh, so the full day. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So 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 that can be a lot of fun too, uh, and then also um, you have a, usually a smaller stunt cast. So you have your four or five you know tight buddies, and uh, you get that you get to, uh, that you get to have fun with. Um, and on the bigger shows, a lot of times you work with guys you don't even know. You know, you work with this stunt cast of a hundred or hundred and twenty, and um, you don't even know all their names, and so. Um, Sometimes the smaller shows are can be quite a bit of fun. Yeah, it seems like you have more control creatively on the decisions that uh, are made to pull off something that otherwise, um, you know, an average human probably couldn't pull off. You're you're more likely to be given a camera on a small show, uh, just because of you know the time crunch that production's in, and they'll say, "Here, just go go shoot this scene." Yeah. You know, and then you have 10 minutes to, <laughs> to shoot a fight. <laughs> um, on the bigger shows, that, that doesn't really happen. That doesn't happen, yeah. No. On the other hand, you're more, you're, you're more hobbled sometimes in terms of what you can truly do, you know. So if the script calls for um, a 10-minute fight scene, a lot of times it turns into, um, well, let's just have character one punch character two and character two passes out and that's it, you know. So, so sometimes we have to um, cut quite a bit of the action, which is a bummer, but, you know, there are pluses and minuses for everything. Yeah. Uh, anything you've been working on recently that you can talk about? 
That's, uh... um, I just got back from India. I worked on a, on a Netflix show there. It's, uh, from what I understand, Netflix's first Indian production. So um, the, uh, the, the script was uh, based on an Indian uh, novel, hit novel. Um, the director's Indian, the crew is Indian, the stars are Indian. So it's a proper Bollywood production, but with Netflix money mm -hmm. and with uh, Netflix India as a market. Um, and they brought me out as um, originally as a stunt coordinator um, and then uh, promoted me to a second unit director after they realized that I was good at my work. And um, uh, that was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so you came there just doing stunts and then elevated the stunt coordinator. Yeah, so what happens is that uh, it, um, Bollywood has. Um, good and experienced crews, um, stunt crews, mm -hmm. I'm talking about now. So they have stuntmen that are very experienced in Bollywood action, which is uh, a lot of song and dance, a lot of wire work, a lot of unrealistic action, what we consider unrealistic action. Yeah. So somebody might get punched, but then they fly 10 feet through the air before they hit the ground. Um, oh, cool. So, beca but because the, uh, the younger audiences, the millennial audiences, um, have grown up with Netflix and uh, Amazon and Hulu, they are more um, used to Western action, which is realistic action. Ah. You know, so, so they've been more exposed to um, Western movies. And did you know that going in, or is that something you kind of It's handled? something that I kind of figured out. You know, I thought, well, they have all this stunt talent here. Why do they spend all this money to fly me out? And the reason is that um, they're, they're now trying to emulate Western shows, TV or, or film, you know, they're, they're trying to make their action more realistic, but their stunt crews don't have the experience to do that. Yeah. So, um, so they thought, well, the best thing we can do is to bring an American stunt coordinator out because he knows how to shoot realistic action. Yeah. So they brought me out as, um, interestingly, uh, not as a stunt coordinator, but as a, um, uh, what they call an action director. Uh -huh. Oh, cool. Because of local union rules, they can't hire me as a stunt coordinator. They have, well, they could, but they would have to have a local stunt coordinator there as well. So what they do is they bring me out as an action director, um, which makes me, which gives me a little bit more responsibility than a stunt coordinator has here, mm -hmm. but a little bit less responsibility than, say, a, a second unit director would have here. Um, Got it. And then they pair me up with a local stunt coordinator. And so you're kind of overseeing the stunt coordinator. Correct. And, and yeah. But the cool thing is that uh, the local guys, I was a little bit worried about that in the beginning. I thought, well, that person's going to feel like I'm stepping on his toes. But um, uh, it, that didn't turn out to be the case at all. They paired me up with a very experienced stunt coordinator there, a local guy. But um, he was extremely deferential, very humble, and um, um, had no problems, you know, doing what I asked him to do. And, and and more importantly, doing things the way I asked him to do them. Yeah. Even if he had never done it a certain way before. Uh, for example, there was a, um, a car crash that we had to do, a turnover, and uh, he had his son drive. His son is 20 years old. He'd never done a turnover before. But I... So and he just tried to get his son to do a turnover? <laughs> yes. My God. Yeah, and I was fine. I really love his son. I was fine with that. Yeah. I said, okay, if you trust your son to do it right, then we'll, we'll use your son. Yeah. I guess but then learn I was, on the job, huh? But then I designed the ramp in a certain fashion, and uh, he didn't think that the uh, the stunt would work with the ramp that I designed. Um, but uh, he said, you know what, Ryan, you're the boss. We'll, we'll do it your way. And um, it, it turned out beautifully. And... Uh, and uh, his, his, it instantly elevated his son to legend status because it, yeah. the turnover had never done, been done that way before in all of India. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess when he got out of the car, he was pretty good, happy. Yeah, he got off to a good start there. And then oh, cool. after that, it was uh, smooth sailing. It was uh, a really nice collaboration. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, and so I think, what was it? This, the second unit directing, is that something you're also focusing on um, in terms of, like, you work as an action director? Is that something that, like, I guess it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand from coordinating to directing is sort of a, a shade off, if you know. Yeah, it's a natural progression for um, stunt performers if they have the mind for it, if they want to. Um, they can become, it would be a natural 
um, progression for a stunt performer to become a, sec uh, um, a stunt coordinator, and then if the, if he's so inclined, a second unit director, and uh, if he really wanted to, and if he was ambitious, um, a director, first unit director. Yeah. You know, Hal Needham kind of uh, paved the way for that with uh, Smoking the Bandit back in the 70s. Um, and well, I didn't realize Hal Needham was a stunt coordinator. He was a legendary stunt performer first, and then a stunt coordinator, and, uh, and he became friends with Burt Reynolds. And uh, one day he went to Bert and said, here, I've got a script that I want to direct. And Bert said, it's horrible, but you're my friend, so I'll do it. Bert Reynolds was the biggest star at the time in Hollywood, so they easily got the funding and uh, it became a huge hit. That's amazing. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. I always think the characters, like, you know, Jackie Gleason is so funny <laughs> in it. Um, yeah. And the characters are, so, are amazing. And yeah, the story Hal is great. Yeah, Hal Needham had his start in stunts. Wow. And uh, so now we have... Um, um, uh, Ch Chad Stahelski, you know, he um, was the movie with, uh, everybody should know this, um, with Keanu Reeves. Oh, uh, John Wick? John Wick, that's still, he was a stunt performer, uh -huh. turned stunt coordinator, turned um, director now. But Tommy Gallant was directed by Chad's partner, uh, David Leach. Uh, David Leach has penned a uh, um, first look deal with, uh -huh. I want to say Sony, I'm not sure, Sony or Paramount. So um, I think now's the time for stunt coordinators to, uh, to start directing. Yeah. Um, and uh, to, to answer your question, yes, I absolutely, especially after India, um, I've, yeah, I've got a taste for it for sure. Yeah, because yeah, it seems like, and especially in my experience working with you, you're definitely very comfortable around actors and giving direction is something you feel very confident in. And it seems like a lot of that you learn in just working with actors and learning from directors and learning from uh, just being on set and then having a really good intuition of what's going to work and what's not going to work and how is it going to work within the movie? Yeah, I think um, I've, I've thought about this quite a bit. I think that there is um, a lot to be learned by being on set. Um, and I've been doing it for so long, I just have a lot of experience. And uh, like you said, I, I do a lot of times know what will and what won't work. A lot of times you have to guess, but most of the time you have a, it's a very educated guess. You know? Yeah. You'll say, well, all right, we're trying something, but uh, we're pretty confident it'll work. Um, I do think that there is something innate in a good filmmaker yeah you know like a um, like a visual feel for how and and uh, a, a sense of rhythm I believe you know for how things will cut together and then it's just about um, being knowing how to talk to people and get performances out of them mm -hmm. and uh, you have to be able to do that as a stunt coordinator to be effective I think because you're oftentimes asking actors or even stunt performers to do something that they're that they really don't want to do or that they're uncomfortable doing, you know, and so uh, I think the ability to talk to people, people skills, I call it, you know, the, the ability to talk to people and, and make them comfortable, make them feel safe, um, and get a performance out of them, I think is very important as a coordinator, if you're a good coordinator. Yeah. That is, and once you have that, I think uh, it's a logical next step to, uh, to direct. Yeah, I always feel like that's a, a challenge for a lot of directors, is to convey their ideas or articulate uh, their vision to not only the crew but to actors and studio executives and kind of get everyone wrapped around that same vision and uh, it seems like with us as a stunt coordinator you sort of have to do that also um, in terms of explaining what the, the approach is towards a stunt and how you're going to achieve that and get everyone comfortable and um, and uh, committed towards that, you know, process that you're going to venture forth. Yeah, with. and the good stunt coordinators are very, very good at that. They're very good at g making the director feel uh, secure in the idea that he's going to get a shot. Making the producers feel secure in um, that they were going to get get in on time and on their budget. Making the AD feel safe and making the cast feel safe. Yeah. Cast being the actors or the stunt performers. Yeah. And also communicating what is going to happen. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been on set as a performer, as a stunt performer, not knowing what was going to happen. You know, somebody, props will come up to me, give me a rifle, and the, the um, stunt coordinator will vaguely say, well, uh, this person's going to come over here and shoot, and then uh, you're going to shoot back, you're going to jump in the car, take off as hard as you can, and then uh, over there by that white van, you're going to turn right. 
and <laughs> I have no idea what's going, what, what's about to happen. I'll, I'll look at my partner or the other stunt guy. Like, do, do you know what's going on? Can you email this to me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so and 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 the frequency with which that happens is shocking, and it doesn't just happen on low budget films or or films with inexperienced directors or inexperienced crews. It happens all the time on massive big budget shows. And um, it makes me wonder how stunt coordinators, big name stunt coordinators, get the job. Um, I think what it is is that in Hollywood, a lot of times, um, people get the job just because of the movie that they worked on last. And if the movie that they worked on last was a big hit, then naturally that person must know what they're talking about. Right, it's sort of an assurance yeah. that they'll probably provide that same... But unfortunately, that doesn't make them a good stunt coordinator or a good communicator. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is something that I'm observing and you know that that's actually not a bad thing because it makes me think well if that person can do it then I for mm -hmm. sure can do it you know and I can do it better <laughs> what are what are some things that like uh, are any interesting stories that have happened where someone hasn't like communicated something effectively where you've had to go in and um, sort of break it down and then construct a whole like set up or you know like and work with the director like really fix a lot of the holes that um to get the shot that they want um i don't know if i can think of a specific example off the top of my head what i can think of is um examples for when things have gone really wrong and people got hurt because there was no communication or because one thing was changed without telling everybody else yo um, gotcha you know so yeah. sometimes what happens in the heat of the moment um uh, the director will make a change and will communicate that to one stunt performer but not the other. Uh, for example, one time, oh, excuse me, I do have an example where, and this is pretty harmless in the large scheme of things, um, um, but uh, the uh, stunt coordinator told my partner in a fight that uh, my punch was not going to come from a different direction. Um, but nobody told me that. So um, I did the same, pro uh, for, for the third take, I did the same choreography as we had done before and as we had done, and as we had rehearsed for the week before. But that person just reacted differently and got in the way of my punch. Luckily, nothing happened. I didn't actually hit him. Uh -huh. But uh, he, he was going right into my hook, you know, <laughs> and uh, I could have easily tagged him and taken his nose off. Um, but uh, that's that's kind of nothing happened. Then we had a good laugh about it. But um, but it's a good example of uh, it's an example for how things can go wrong. Um, and people have unfortunately gotten very very badly hurt and uh, and have died from mistakes like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, communication is so important within every department. Um, but with stunts, it's obviously like to the ninth degree where you're risking uh, yourself. To pull something off. A good, so. a good stunt coordinator will slow everything down. That's that's a that's a good key. That's a um, good point. Because uh, especially in okay, so a lot of times what happens, even on big budget shows, the stunts are saved for last in the day. If you're shooting, especially if you're shooting action with a first unit cast. So if you're if you're on second unit, it's a different deal. Stunts are done on second unit, and you're shooting action all day long. It's different. Mm -hmm. But if you're shooting action with um, principal cast, principal actors, um, a lot of times the director gets so into the dialogue and the emotion of the scene and all that stuff that um, the action gets kind of saved for last in the day. And then all of a sudden you're left with forty five minutes of daylight. And you're expected to, to, to shoot an entire fight or a car chase or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when things get rushed. Um, and then everybody starts to lose their heads. They start to scream because they, they don't want to come back the next day. You know, They only have the location for another 45 minutes. The sun is going down and they need to get that shot. And everybody loses their temper. Everybody starts yelling. Everybody starts rushing. And that's how mistakes happen. The first take is not going to be as good as they hoped. So they're going to ask for a second take. Uh, now they're all of a sudden going to make changes. The director, in his mind, is not he's not watching the camera or, or the playback. What he's doing in his mind is he's figuring out what shots he can cut. So he's not in the moment. His, he's not focused. His mind is not there. So um, his direction is not going to be um, 
you know, thoughtful or, or sensitive. Um, and so he's going to shout at his AD and the AD feels the pressure and he's going to shout at the stunt coordinator. The stunt coordinator really feels the pressure. Uh, so he's going to shout at the stunt performers and the stunt performers have no idea what's, what just changed or what's going on. So everybody's just kind of winging it and that's when mistakes happen. Now, a good stunt coordinator doesn't care how stressed out the director is. He doesn't care how stressed out the AD is. He doesn't, he feels the pressure, but he doesn't let it affect his work. So whoever's yelling at him or when people are starting to yell at him or are starting to rush him, he'll turn around and calmly tell his crew of stunt performers, listen guys, these things are gonna get rushed. Be safe. Here's what's gonna happen. You do this, you do that, you do that. And then, uh, you know, calmly gets the shot. Yeah, I think that's a really good point in terms of uh, uh, making the day. I know that usually, you know, from producers, directors, the AD, and it sort of works its way down, departments of trying to hurry, hurry, rush, rush, get it done to, you know, get as many setups as, uh, as possible to make the day. But that's not really your concern. Well, um, it, it, not to say it's, it is a concern, but I'm saying, you know, uh, it's not your problem. <laughs> it's not my problem. And, and yeah, and that's a good way. It's smart. And a lot of stunt coordinators don't see it that way, or they don't understand that. You know, everybody, I think it's a human nature for most people to want to please the next person. Yes. Especially when the, the next person is a higher up and right. they hired you. You know, so you want to please them. You want them to get their shot. You want them to do well, and you want to get hired in the next movie. You know? Yeah. You don't want them to think badly of you. You don't want them to, to go home and, and tell their wives, well, man, you know, that stunt coordinator didn't, didn't get the shot. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, you have to be realistic and you have to understand, look, and you have to be confident in that. You have to be confident in the fact that you were ready five hours ago. They didn't get to your shot until an hour, you know, b before the end of the day. And, um, and they just didn't give you the time. Yeah. And if they don't understand that, then, you know, yeah, maybe I just lost a job, which is which can be bad. But maybe you saved a life. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And one thing that's always been nice, and it's uh, working with you, and I, something as a producer, I um, really kind of focus on with people I work with is people that will uh, find solutions and not raise problems. You know? <laughs> and I, I think it's, uh, you know, you find a lot of people that will, it's easy to, like, say, well, here's, here's the issue, but never here's the solution to it, or here's an idea to make it work. And it's always been um, such a joy working with you because most of the stuff I do is not a lot of money, not a lot of time, and we really like have a, a very small window to even pull it off. And, and you've never really been affected by that window, but you have been able to, within that tiny, tiny, tiny window, figure out a solution of how to do something that will work, that will work for the film, that will be safe, and uh, will be a solution to the variables that we're working against. And I think that's um, that's such a core value that uh, is indispensable. The only times where I have um, become impatient as a boss, as a, as a department head, is when people have told me, uh, I don't know. You know <laughs> I, I just don't like that. I just, I really, really dislike that because there's always a solution to everything. Right. You know, there's always a solution to the problem. It may not be the ideal solution that everybody's hoping for, or it may not be the ideal outcome that everyone's hoping for, but sometimes in f trying to find creative solutions, you can actually come up with a better, better, you know... Um, approach, yeah. 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 Either a better approach or even a better outcome. Yeah. You know, you, if, if uh, you can... Maybe the, the story is tweaked just a little bit to where in the end it's actually, it makes for a better scene. That's the ideal outcome. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times we change the approach a little bit and, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll use a, an uncommon approach or something that hasn't really been done like that before. Something where you might look at the, the, the wire rig and you might say, well, that's Mickey Mouse together, but it works and it's safe. And so um, I have uh, not hired certain performers again because they have told me, well, we can't do it this way because it's, it hasn't been done like this before. Well, I'm not hiring you to do something the way it's been done a hundred times before, a million times before. I'm hiring you to get the job done no matter what. You know? Right, because it's uh, as a coordinator, you're you're innovating and you're creating a, a you know just as like 
you know, any other department they want to bring something new or you know bring up their own creativity exactly yeah and that's yeah. fun for me and then also I can be more creative and more innovative and ultimately more successful if my crew is just as or more innovative and creative than I am yeah you know, if I can rely on my on my lead rigger to be super creative and to just get the job done no matter what then that's going to make me look good and it's going to make me feel successful at the end of the day and I, I want to hire that person again but if I have a rigger who only sees the problem and he start, and starts whining about not having enough money or not enough time or not enough manpower, then it makes it less fun. <laughs> Where do you go from there? Exactly, yeah. You're like, well, maybe yeah, we should all just go home. <laughs> because I know that about my, my attitude towards the people that I hire. I want to be, I don't want to be, I want to be the same person for the people that hire me. You know? Yeah. I want to be the, I want to be the solution. I never want to be the problem. Right, right. I think it's, uh, being the problem is very easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> you're, you're kind of just kicking the can down the road. <laughs> but at certain, uh, to a certain degree, um, the magic happens when you do find those solutions because maybe uh, it'll cut together better or maybe the story will be heightened because of, uh, you know, instead of like doing one stunt, you don't do the stunt that way, you do it a different way and it, it, it creates a whole new uh, element to the character that you haven't seen before. And the cool thing is that you never know where the solution comes from. The solution could come from myself, or it could come from somebody that works for me, or it can come from the newbie stunt performer who's never been on set before. It could come from a PA, it could come from the director or the producer. You, you never know where the solution comes from, you know? And that's, that's the fun. And that's, to me, I think, one of the most fun things about filmmaking is if you can be a part of a crew there's truly collaborative like that, mm -hmm. you know, where, where there are no egos and everybody just wants to work together to make a good good product. And sometimes, once again, this goes back to the very first question you asked today, which is more fun, the big shows or the small shows. Sometimes I find on the bigger shows, you have these egos, you know, you have all these guys that have been doing it for a long time and they've been around and they have experience and they know that about themselves. And um, so they're very... Um, you know, they, yeah. It's a, they're they're, they're kind of set, yeah. Yeah, they're set, in, they're not only set in their ways, but they're also, they, they're also very judgmental about the other departments, and maybe they're a little bit jaded, you know, mm -hmm. maybe they've been in the industry a little bit for too long. Yeah. And so uh, sometimes they, instead of working towards a common goal to, to be all successful as a, as a team, as a crew, um, I have seen evidence of people, or, or instances of people actively, sabotaging the other departments you know um like for example the uh give me the juice <laughs> the, the, the team well the teamster drivers might not want the stunt might set up the stunt driver to fail in certain ways because they know that in the end we're having more fun you know right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so so they're they're trying to make the stunt drivers look bad on purpose so that they can look better as drivers uh -huh. so, Things like I that. I feel bad. I'm kind Things of projecting like that. And I, I feel bad for now for 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 singling out the teamsters now, but it's uh it's just one example, you know. Yeah. Or, or um, um, hair department has done that to me where they, you know, they point fingers at the stunt performers for not having the right quality hair. Right. Match, yeah. You know? Yeah. That that's a that's an interesting point. Is uh is uh you know across departments uh the frustration because usually as a producer I hear it like they'll come to me and be like. Oh, well, it'd be nice if, uh, you know, I could have combed their hair down for doing a wacko and, the, you know, in this stunt where they're, they're jumping with their hair all over the place. It would have been nice if I had, like, two seconds to just go right, and right. work their hair down. And so it's, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, I guess you can't, you got to kind of work with what you got. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't let it affect you in the end. Um, but my, my point to that was that I'm having the most fun when everybody is, works together as a team, you know, and, and uh, the hair department will say, I will, see, I'm making an effort. I'm making an effort to be proactive and to approach the other department heads when I have to cast a stunt double and uh, it's, it's not an ideal choice. I'll call, I'll make an effort to call the hair department and I'll say, listen, don't, please don't get mad at me. You know, this person has a wacky hairline or you have to wig him or whatever. Yeah. Can you help me out with this? You know, it's really, truly really the best choice for the part. But that's a really big deal right there. But once, it's what, you once can, I, where you can think ahead of time knowing that it's hair is gonna be an issue and the the wig that they're selecting, you'd like to be part of that conversation. 
I well, I, I think for me it's a it's a bit of a strategic thing. For 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 one, I think it's just a, a nice thing to do, a nice like you know human touch to just call somebody and say, listen, you've got you've got like a problem coming your way. You know, I uh-huh. I'm sorry, I can't. You know, I, I wish I could <laughs> make your life easier. And I just yeah. Can't. But uh, also, I find that in the end, um, that person is more likely to help me out than if I send them a bad double and. You know, I was defensive about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's um, something I feel uh, I take a lot of pride in is the um, the communication that I have with crew, and uh, you know, making multiple films together. We have a, kind of a good line of communication, and there's so much value in that line of communication where you feel very comfortable saying you. There's not much I can do here. And then instead of them getting defensive, they understand where you're coming from. And together you guys can work out a good plan. Yeah, and, and um, another thing that you brought up really early on in, in this conversation was, was uh, the subject of honesty. That was a good um, good little uh, um, word, I think, that you put out there. Because I feel with really good producers such as yourself, um, I they, they just tell me what the problem is. You know, They never try to come to me and uh, hide how much money they truly have or um, you know sometimes um, a producer might just not be completely upfront about something um, and uh, that just never works well you know it, it doesn't it doesn't allow me to truly get to the root of the problem because the problem may not be what the producer thinks it is by withholding information from me the producer kind of thinks that oh, he knows what the problem is and he knows what I have to do to fix it. But if the producer is just up front and says, listen, this is what happened, the money went away for whatever reason or whatever other problem you may have, a location may have changed or you know, time may, have, may be running out or as happened to us, uh, an, an actor had an issue, you know, a yeah. health issue at the last minute and uh, we had to figure something out. If I know what, what the problem is, then I can be much more efficient in addressing it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it helps everybody to just be upfront. Lay your cards on the table. Trust that the other person is not going to screw you over or use, or use you uh, use the information against you. Yeah. And uh, and just see what happens, you know. And, and I think it'd be or people would be amazed. I'm, I'm amazed, I should say, that, uh, that that doesn't happen more often. I feel that a lot of people, maybe because they're scared that they're going to lose their jobs or it's, it's hard enough to make a living in this industry anyway. You know, so so people are very protective about information. They hold their information close to their chests, and I, I find that's not not often not the best approach. Yeah, I um, and through through years of failing as a producer, <laughs> I've uh, I've kind of looked at my role as uh, a resource for uh, department heads or crew members, and almost like I work for you in a sense where. I'm trying to provide the best opportunity and, you know, position you in the best way to succeed as possible. And I sort of leave it up to you to, to like, uh, show me how I best should do something. So if, like, we're working with a certain amount of money in the budget, I'll say, hey, this is what we have to work with. Is this enough? <laughs> and if you're like, no way, we need double that, then... I'm glad I asked that because I know now, as opposed to on set, being like, well, we only have this one money, we don't have to make more, we don't do what we got, you know. I can then figure out in the budget how to make it work for you, and then we have a solid plan weeks ahead of time going into, you know, the day, and we all feel really confident, which helps us to better articulate what needs to get done. But I think when you don't have a money conversation of like, you know, this is much we have, how much do you need, then at some point that gray area, you know, it's the elephant in the room that really, you know, then you have that conversation on set saying, well, I don't have enough money to do this. This is all you gave me. I'm working with what you gave me. And it's short-sighted in the producer because they should have been honest with what you need to do. And if they don't have that, then... You, have, you should creatively come up with a solution for what you have as opposed to trying to have this big idea with the amount of money you are 
offered. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, it's interesting that you would say that uh, you feel like you're working for us. I feel the same way as a stunt coordinator a lot of the time. I feel that part, a big part of my job is to be the agent of my stunt performers. Yeah. Um, in the sense that I, it's my responsibility to, to negotiate good working conditions, to negotiate good stunt adjustments, decent pay, you know, for what they're they're doing for what they're offering yeah there are some coordinators um, that are very successful in the business and that have a reputation for being what we call or what's called in the industry uh, production friendly and production friendly means that they're selling out stunt performers uh, you know yeah they're, they're coming in and they'll say they they go and they're doing big shows you know um, and they'll go to uh, the studio and they'll say I'll underbid everybody. Uh, we'll work within the parameters of uh, union scale pay, but beyond that, we don't need anything else. And at the same time, uh, I'll encourage people to uh, to come in for rehearsals for free, or um, get you know paid less for whatever. You know, but that's sort of a gamble, right? Because they don't know if people will agree to those terms before they're. People will agree to those terms. That's the thing, you know, because. Stunts has, has become so competitive. It's always been competitive. But uh, in recent, I would say in the past uh, 15 or 20 years, it's become so competitive that now we have um, easily 10, 15, or 20 stunt performers for every job that's out there. Um, oh, wow. And so, yeah. So, and then uh, there, there's always an influx of new talent as well. So the stunt coordinator, a stunt coordinator that does that, a stunt coordinator who wants to be production friendly, um, is trying can, to survive. He well, he's trying to do bigger and bigger shows, and maybe one day hopes a director or whatever. He's just trying to further his own career, but he's doing it at the expense of the stunt performers. Mm -hmm. You know, as a performer, you're a technician. Yeah, you can be creative to a certain degree, but primarily you're a technician, and your body is your capital. That's your tool, mm -hmm. right? So you come in and you hit the ground really hard. Well, if um, if the so the stunt coordinator can pay you really well or he can choose not to pay you well at all he can abuse that you know he can he can make you wreck your body 15 times in a day for um, a month long run or a two month mm -hmm. run on a show uh, and not really pay you at the end of that show you've walked away with however many how much money you've made but that's it you're the technician you're not getting anything else out of it the, the stunt coordinator now has a big show on his resume as a stunt coordinator and he'll capitalize on that the next time he gets hired. I see. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, so this, it's, it's like everything else in the world. And, and the, the, the little man, like the worker, um, is, uh, ends up holding the bill, whereas the, uh, you know, the, the factory owner makes all the big money. Yeah. Um, well, it seems like you've sort of uh, taken a different, not that approach, but you've really worked hard to respect the uh, performers in an effort to sort of build up a good network. I, I try what I can, what I, yeah. Of dependable people that you enjoy working with. Well, I, I want to be a good boss in the sense that I want to be um, dependable. I want to be a good communicator. I want people to feel um, safe with me, not just physically. I want them to know that they're not going to get hurt, but I also want them to feel emotionally safe. You know, I want them to feel that they know exactly what they're supposed to do. I want them to feel that they can always ask a question. Uh, I want them to know that uh, if something goes wrong, I'm not going to abuse them in front of the crew. I'm not going to blame them for any mistakes because everybody does make mistakes. Um, but that's a good, that's a really good point. I mean, you want uh, their mind to be free and clear to just focus on the job at hand and not exactly. yeah. these other like BS variables that. Yeah. And and you know I have done my share of low budget productions, and then so I have to call. Uh, um, performers every once in a while and say, listen, this is a low budget rate, but, and they, I don't have a lot of adjustment money, but um, I'm not gonna ask you to hit the ground hard, you know? Yeah. So I might go to the producer and I might say, look, we, I, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable asking this person to do that for the amount of money that we have, so what if we frame up a little bit and put a pad underneath? Right. You know, for example. So, um, yeah, those there's always, you know things you can tweak or, or solutions you can find but uh, I just try to be as respectful of my performers um, I 
huh, this is a long story, um, longer story. I'll try to be brief. So um, I grew up in um, Europe for the most part, in Germany to be specific. And uh, um, I grew up on uh, American Westerns and uh, um, French and Italian action comedies. And as a young boy growing up, I was always drawn to action. I was drawn to car chases and, uh, you know, just mayhem and things breaking. Uh-huh. And uh, when I was a teenager, my dad got a video camera and um, I bar- I got to borrow it. And he would encourage me to borrow it and go out and be creative. And um, I recruited my brother to film me do stunts. I would recreate action scenes that I'd seen in movies. And... Uh, um, I would uh, at the time this is like the mid 90s at the time uh, it was quite common for kids to start to go out and shoot action scene or movies themselves but um, uh, they would normally cut around the action so they would shoot a car hit which is where a person gets hit by a car yeah. so they would shoot the person standing in the street they would cut to the car approaching and they would cut to the shot of the person laying in front of the car and I said that's Nonsense. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm going to do a real car. I'm gonna do a car. And, um, you know, stunts is not rocket science. You can kind of figure it out. Yeah. If you have some natural athletic ability that you can kind of, you know, look at how things are done and you can figure out how to do things safe, safely or safe enough. Um, so I would have, you know, get hit by cars and turn over cars and jump through glass and, and um, stage fights and figure out what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Did you go to stunt school? Or? No, I didn't. So that was my stunt school. Yeah. And then after that, I went to uh, film school. I went to uh, USC and uh, learned more about filmmaking. Did some, got myself into quite a bit of trouble there because we weren't supposed to do action at all. We should be elaborate action set pieces. Um, and uh, we had a, this is a fun story just kind of on the side. We had a, we had a safety officer back then. His name was John Sergeronki. This was USC, late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, John and I became good buddies on a first-name basis because I would be at his office every week. <laughs> I would have to, have to explain, explain myself. But uh, so, um, yeah, you know, after film school, I just uh, decided that uh, I did want to be a, film, a filmmaker, a director, but um, I was still young enough that I wanted to do stunts first. So, yeah. yeah. It seemed like more fun at the time. Yeah. It's definitely more fun. I mean, it seems like, uh, you know, you never really know day to day what the challenge is going to be. Uh, now there's a, a pretty big stunt school, right? That uh, There are a few, I think. There's there's one in Seattle that I know of. There used to be one in Florida. I don't know if that's... I mean, Monette's dad has a film uh, stunt school. So Monette's dad um, uh, is... Um, I believe he's retired now. He's an older stunt coordinator, and uh, he sort of, it's not an official stunt school. He doesn't get paid to do this, but um, it's sort of a backyard deal, you know, where people come to the backyard and they jump from the high fall tower or they stage fights um, or they learn weapon skills or, um, you know, learn. He's like the Miyagi of. uh, Yeah, yeah. so he just kind of, which is actually how a lot of us got our starts. you know, you just show up at the backyard on a Saturday morning and you work out, you train, you meet people, and uh, you learn that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, was that sort of natural for you to learn all these things of like from shooting guns to riding horses, motorcycles? Is that just who you are? Or did you like try to focus on different aspects of stunt coordinating or stunt performing? I um Racing cars. Yeah, I'm, I'm naturally um, interested in horses and cars and motorcycles. I was uh, road racing motorcycles when I first got into the business. Um, I never specifically trained to do motorcycle stunts. Um, I've never, you know, trained to do wheelies or stoppies mm-hmm. or any of that stuff or to, to jump motorcycles. I, to this day, I can't really ride out a wheelie very well <laughs> because I never practiced, you know. That was yeah. my focus. Yeah. Um, I did spend a lot of time getting good in cars. Um, that was definitely a focus and um, but it was you know see stunts is a is a in, in a lot of ways the perfect career for me because I'm interested in those things anyway mm-hmm. you know um, my uh, uh, 
I, I joke with my wife quite a bit because I will go out and ride my motorcycle and I'll say, well, I'm, I'm training. <laughs> and she'll say, and she'll, say, she'll get annoyed with me. She says, no, you're just having fun with your buddies. Uh-huh. And I'll say, uh, yes, but it's also work, you know. So uh-huh. um, it's, uh, I have a job that doesn't feel like a job to me, which is, I think, as blessed as any person can possibly. Yeah, that's all you can ask for in life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't I mean I didn't go to film school, but when I first went to LA, I used to uh, go to a lot of used car dealerships and pretend like I was gonna buy a car and negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> and then I always leave and say, well, I'm gonna have to think about it, but you know it's not a bad deal we worked out. <laughs> and I just used to have so much fun doing that, and you know I also really dreamed of buying some of these like older Mustangs or Porsches or you know so some of these cool dealerships that have these vintage cars I wanted so to if see. If I were to ever buy a new car would you would you help me negotiate? Oh I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do because, you know, uh, I don't know, I just have fun negotiating. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Yeah. That's maybe one of my least favorite things to do. Um it's not that I that I hate it. It's not that I don't want to do it. It's just not my favorite thing. Maybe not not the favorite part of my job. Yeah. You know the initial meeting where I have to sit down with the line producer and I have to, you know, we have to. A lot of times the line producer and I have have an uneasy relationship the first couple of weeks of a show. Yeah. You know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's not that I hate it, but it's also it's definitely not. Yeah, I think I think with producing line producing, a lot of it's putting the pieces together like. You're putting a puzzle together and sure. trying to, you know, and that puzzle is sort of the the uh, the execution or the 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 strategy. Yeah. And, and every uh, department is asking for ten percent of the budget. And every department is asking for ten percent of that. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I can see how that could be a frustration because it's, you know, it all boils down to the amount you need to pull something off, and there's no. Um, argument about that and that's that's kind of why I take a step back from negotiating with department heads because it's more about it's not about like oh I you know Ryan wanted 90,000 but I got him to 30 <laughs> it's not about winning that way it's about I'm going to get him that 90,000 I, I trust that you need all 90,000 yeah. I don't think you're like well I told Worms I need 90,000 but we're good at 15 <laughs> You know, there are actually stunt coordinators that do negotiate like that. You know, they, they, they pad their budget. And I don't believe in that. I, I believe in paying fair wages, so I do fight for that. Yeah. Um, and I do come away from a negotiation much more, much happier if I feel like I can pay people what I think I believe they deserve. At the same time, I'm very big on being fair to production, too. You yeah. Know, I, I don't want to gouge anybody. Um, I want to be fair and upfront. I want to, you know, make sure that they understand where I'm coming from and and um, why I think that a certain stunt should cost a certain amount of money. Yeah. But uh, I I do try to be fair to production. I don't like seeing waste on movie sets. Right. Um, which is another thing about these big movies. Sometimes you you stand around for two days or sometimes weeks. Um, and uh, you do the math in your head uh, and you realize how much money you made. But you know that you haven't given production anything back in return, you know, and that's not necessarily a good feeling. Some yeah. people, some people don't mind that. There's there are a lot of, not just stunt performers, but grips or or other crew members that think, oh wow, I, I didn't work at all and I made all this money. That doesn't make me feel good, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to be as a department head. I want to be as efficient as possible, mm-hmm. and uh, the ads and the line producers can help me build a schedule where I don't have to carry 20 stunt performers if I only need five for the majority of the time. And, that, and that's a huge, huge, huge benefit to the production because then instead of just letting that excess go to waste, you can apply it towards you know adding more days to the production or uh, getting better locations or... Or pay um, better adjustments. To the or pay better adjustments and just ha- be able to like put that money somewhere where it would be uh, a, a better service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's always uh, a tricky thing, but I think really, um, you know, being able to just, you know, back to being upfront about what it takes to do something, you know, um, you have to have that trust. Yeah. It makes a, a huge difference. So. 
Um, well, what do you, anything coming up next? Uh, no, I have a few days as a motorcycle cop. <laughs> I'm going to have to shave and have a clean cut. Um, it's a feature that I'm working on for a friend of mine, and uh, that's coming up next week, I believe. And after that, I have nothing. I have um, me, my friends in India have been very happy with me, and uh, they want me to come back. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I have a few irons in the fire there, but you know, I never really believe that anything goes until I'm on set and the cameras are rolling. Yeah. Um, the, the industry is so fickle that um, a movie that, uh, you know, we prepared for for the past four months can go away like that. Right. Um, so I don't get too excited about anything. Yeah, I know. I, th I think that's a good thing because I'm, I'm sort of the same way. It's not real until it's you're on set. Exactly. <laughs> and the check clears. And the check uh, clears. You know, in the meantime, I just, what I've learned is to not stress out about uh, not having work. I just love to have time with the kids and the family. Yeah. While I have it, you know, so when I'm home, I'm, I really, I don't hustle, I don't really call for work much. Um, I just, I'm home. At, and I, you have faith that I it really all sort of works yeah, out. Yeah, I really focus on, I'm, I'm present with the kids and, yeah. and, you know, we just moved this, you know, so uh, I've been busy with that. I enjoy my time with the horses and I ride my motorcycle without thinking about how I can apply that skill at work, <laughs> you know. Um, so, um, yeah, I go out to the track. A friend of mine just bought a rally car, so he's racing his first race coming up on Saturday. Oh, so, cool. So we'll play with that. And, yeah, I'm just, you know, kind of waiting for the next job. Cool. Any, um, any like, what's the craziest? I guess you get asked that probably all the time at parties. Like, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? But there's something that you, like, think about, like, God, I can't believe I did that. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. I don't it was know if so awesome. any one crazy thing, but uh, one thing that always makes me nervous, and not just when I'm doing it, but when anybody does it, is heights. Yeah. Anytime heights are involved, um, I get nervous, and I'm Ugh. so glad when it's over. You know. You and me both. I've had a few where, <laughs> I just <laughs> prayed to God that it all worked out. Yeah. yeah. But I've, I've always been having you on set. At least felt like I had a bit of like uh, comfort, you know. Um, yeah, and you know you and you hire the best people you can, and uh, you try to think of every eventuality. Yeah. But. Um, High falls, it's, I'm always glad when it's over. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, this has been uh, so great, and thank you so much. Well, thank you for having uh, me. This is fun. And there it is, our very first podcast. Join us next time on Tales from the Crew.